And I just want to say I'm thankful for the people of God who are assembling, not just in this parking lot, but all around our world, all around our country, um, against the odds and against the challenges. It is, uh, it is such a blessing to see you folks here today. And I hope you have a Bible with you. Uh, we're going to be in Ma- look at Matthew 28 this morning. Um, if you got a Bible, uh, Matthew 28, there are four accounts of the resurrection. Uh, we'll look at the first one that's recorded, Matthew 28. I want to give place to God's Word before we get started. Y'all have heard this story a hundred times, um, and I can't wait to hear a hundred more. Uh, we'll read it this morning, um, and uh, just pray that God give us a fresh look, give us fresh eyes, and let us hear from heaven today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have your place in God's Word, um, the Scripture says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen." As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you unto Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. We hear over and over again in this text, Do not be afraid. And I'm glad to to have that reminder this morning because there's been a lot to be afraid of lately. There's been a lot to be fearful of lately. But we're reminded by this text, as we are throughout the Bible, but perhaps this morning punctuates the promise of God more than any other morning, more than any other scripture, more than any other passage of the Bible, more than any other word from God. Perhaps this morning in this event reminds us that we don't have to be afraid, even if there's something to be afraid of, because we have a greater reason to have faith today. See, we're, we're, we're blessed to be here today because we have a reason to be here. But I want to go back. We've read this account, and I want to ask you if you could just imagine going back in time. If we could go back to that first Easter morning, if we could arrive at the tomb just before Mary Magdalene, before Mary, the mother of James and John, before Salome, if we could go back before the stone rolled away and we'd find the Roman centurions there in front of that giant boulder they had rolled into place the day before, what if we showed up just before dawn on that Sunday? Can you imagine what it would have been like that morning? Creation set in darkness, creation set with anticipation, wondering if its creator would say and turn on the lights again. Jesus had just died on the cross. Creation knew more than anybody else. Creation knew who He was. The world knew who He was. And yet the Creator in flesh, God in a body, lay still in a tomb. And the whole world, nature, and all of creation waited with bated breath, wondering if the body would breathe again. Wondering if God would say once again, let there be light. 
This time would be better than just the sun rising up, but something even greater would rise up today. But just imagine we've stepped through time. It's the 16th of Nisan. Sunday morning, the Passover is ended. The festival of first fruits is about to begin. Everyone is waiting for day to break, for Sabbath to end, to begin their new week. And here we come rolling up to the tomb. It's sealed and it's shut and it's guarded intently. What if we were to say to those guards, Hey y'all, y'all might want to back away from that tomb because things are about to get pretty wild here. We're about to have a visitor from heaven. There's about to be an earthquake. And that stone, it's going to roll away. And the light from heaven's going to be so bright, if you get too close, you're going to faint. Do you think they would believe us if we gave them that warning? What if we were to run toward the exit of the garden tomb and we were, were to meet Mary and her friends a little while later and we were to say to them, hey, I know we haven't met and there's no time for small talk, but Jesus is alive. I know you're bringing ointment and I know you're bringing perfume to anoint the body. You don't need that anymore. He just walked out of the tomb. There was an earthquake and there was lightning and there were angels and Jesus, He's who you come to anoint the dead body y'all think is in that grave. He's not dead. He's alive. I know y'all saw him die. I know y'all saw him carried away. I know that Joseph and Nicodemus buried him. I know, I know, I know. But you got to hear me. He is alive. Do you think they would believe us? What if we were to go to where the disciples were hiding for fear of their lives and barge in that morning and say, listen, y'all, I know you've unfollowed Jesus. I know you have taken your faith out of Jesus. I know you've given up on him being the Messiah, but you might want to reconsider. He's about to walk through that wall 12 hours from now. He is alive. Do you think they would believe us? Of course not. The guards there that morning would have thought that this was the biggest joke ever. Some wannabe Jewish prophet says he's going to come back from the dead and Rome's afraid of his disciples stealing the body so they've got to put a, 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 an enforcement guard in front of a peasant's tomb. These Roman centurions thought they were wasting their time. Why do they have to guard the body of a nobody? Nobody's going to come steal his body. Nobody's going to come try to get in the grave. They would have said, listen, I don't know where you're from, but just spare us the crazy talk. This guy's dead, and you'll be dead soon if you try to stand against us. Mary and her companions were coming to anoint a body of someone they dearly loved and thought so much about. They had lost all hope of him being the Messiah. He may have been a bit delusional, but he was clearly still used by God, and he had done so much for them, so the least they could do was try to ensure his body wouldn't decay so quickly, especially since he had died such a gruesome death. Come on, but come on. They weren't coming to the tomb to count down as the sun began to rise. They would have said, listen, we don't know who you are, but please don't be so cruel. We watched him die. The least we can do is anoint his body. If we were to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, they would have said, good grief. That's just a fairy tale. Get with the real world. Jesus is dead and we'll be dead soon if Rome finds us. No matter what, no one would believe us if we went back in time just before sunrise and said just in a matter of time, Jesus is going to get out of that tomb. They would have all said, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you're from, but dead people don't come back to life. But here we are, 
2,000 years later, not simply commemorating Jesus' death and burial, we're celebrating His resurrection. What if we told them 2,000 years from now there will be Christians all over the world and they won't be hiding for fear of the authorities. No, they'll be gathered in public and even online some 2 billion people strong and they'll be celebrating that Jesus is alive as ever. Do you think anyone from that first Easter would believe us if we told them that? I don't think so. But here we are. On the other side of the world, our fallen world is attempting to shut us in. And the enemy is trying to silence us, but our resurrection, resurrected Savior is greater and has brought us together once again. I know sometimes we can get discouraged because it seems that we're outnumbered in life. I know sometimes we can get down because it seems that things don't go our way. But we can take courage this morning around this one thing. We have a risen Savior. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. See, these women thought their, their worst fears had been realized. Crucifixions were meant to erase people from history. It was meant to make you forget someone even lived. And the fact that Jesus' body wasn't burnt and was actually buried helped his followers cope. At least they were going to be able to say goodbye to him. But now they were terrified. Now they were afraid. His body had been taken, maybe by Rome. Maybe it was just some sort of insult to injury. These women didn't know what to think, but their fears got the best of them. They were afraid the cross was the end, that their faith had been on the edge, and they thought now that Jesus is gone for good, their faith would be gone as well. See, I know sometimes our Fridays can be so rough that we don't know if we can make it to Sunday. Our weeks can be so tough that we don't know if we can make it to Sunday. Our marches and Aprils can be so difficult, we don't know if we can make it to May or June. Fall and winter can be so tough, we don't know if we'll make it to spring or to summer. But hear me clearly this morning, Jesus' body wasn't gone, He was risen. See, we assume the worst outcome when Fridays go bad. They thought He was crucified, now His body's gone, it can't get any worse. We assume the worst, don't we? We assume, because the appearance suggests it's worse than we thought, but this text reminds us that we shouldn't assume the worst. We can believe in something better and something greater. This morning reminds us we don't have to accept the worst case scenario. We don't have to accept that it can't get any better. We can believe and have faith that the best is yet to come. The cross didn't overcome Jesus. Jesus overcame the cross. The cross and its pain didn't punish Jesus. Jesus took our sin to that cross and He paid for them. Verse 6 says, Do not be afraid. He is not here. He is risen just as He said. Don't you remember He told you this was how it was going to happen? But you focused on the bad and you didn't believe in the better. That's what our flesh does, doesn't it? We zero in on what we can't understand. We zero in on the pain and the problems, and we don't believe that there's a resurrection coming. But Jesus says, they say to him, just as he said it would happen, it's happened. 
Why do we doubt, church? Why do we question? This is our evidence. This is our proof. Whatever you're facing right now, what does Jesus say about it? Jesus said in Matthew 6 or 7, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if you were to ask for bread, would your father give you a stone? Or if you asked for fish, would he give you a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? What are you asking for this morning? Are you asking for salvation? Are you asking for healing? Are you asking for a miracle? Are you asking for resurrection power? Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as this world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. He said, I've said these things, and in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It can be just as he said if we trust in what he did. And what did he do for you 2,000 years ago? He took your sin and he took your sorrows and he took your shame and he nailed them to a cross and he was buried by them, but they couldn't defeat him. They couldn't hold him. He rose back to life. And in that same note, because he has risen, we can too. The grave wasn't the end. What does the scripture say? Come and see where he lay, as in past tense. Some of us need to look at our past and realize it's behind us. The grave isn't the end. It was just the beginning See, what you're facing isn't the end. It's the beginning of something better. Sometimes the world has to be turned upside down for things to start going in the right direction. So we can experience a resurrection. God says you're going to make it through. He says Fridays can be rough, but Sundays are coming with a roar. Do you believe that today? He says Fridays may be painful, but Sundays are going to be powerful. We go from an empty tomb to verse number 8 and 9 and 10 where Jesus has met them on the road. And then down in verse number 18, he says, All power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says in verse number 20, I am with you even to the end of the age. I don't know if we're at the end, but we're closer than they were. And if he said, I'll be with you to the end, that means he promises that to us. He's with us right now. Right now, always and forever. Every day we can rise up. We can expect empty tombs. When's the last time you got up in the morning And you said to your enemies, you said to your sin, you said to your problems, you said to the things that are overcoming you. When's the last time you got up and you looked those things in the eyes and you said, listen, it's about to be an empty tomb because I'm walking out of this. You can experience resurrection. That doesn't mean that problems are always going to go away and things are always going to go right. But what it does mean is no matter what knocks us down, we will always rise up. 
Because all authority has been given to the resurrected king. And we bow to him. We worship to him. And just as he rose again, we can rise as well. We gather this morning not to pity the grave, but to face them and be brave. We can be brave because we are saved by a resurrected Savior and King. The grave has no claim on us because we belong to heaven. We belong to Jesus. That's our promise, church. That's our hope. We have a living and everlasting hope. All because of what happened on this day 2,000 years ago. If we were to go back and we were to say to these men and women what they were about to face, I don't know if they'd believe us. But they were convinced not a short while after. All these years later, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave still moves and lives in our world. And he's not looking for buildings to dwell in. Listen, the great deception is that it won't be a good Easter because we can't get in big buildings. Listen, God's not looking for buildings to dwell in. He's looking for bodies. And just like he rose up the dead body of Jesus, he wants to rise up the bodies in this world. All of us, everybody that will call on his name. So what we're going to do in closing, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to lift up our voices and our hearts. And we're going to say to our Father who is in heaven that though we be sinners and though we be weak and though we be broken, we're going to ask the resurrected power of God to fill our bodies. If it can raise a dead man back to life, what can he do to those of us alive in this world that are willing and ready to be filled and used by God? I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that God can do incredible things through His church. Even in this season of isolation, God is preparing a generation of spirit-filled, resurrected believers. Let me pray for you. Father, though we are dead in our sins, though we are weak in our flesh, though we are empty in our souls, we don't give up. Because our Savior was nailed to a criminal's cross. He was emptied like we are empty. He was broken like we are broken. He was filled and burdened with our sin. He died in our place. He was buried like we deserve to be. But on Easter morning, the roar of heaven, the wind of heaven, the power of heaven rushed to that tomb and filled that body back with life and he rose again and you give us a promise I am with you always even to the end of the age. Father I don't know what point in the age we're at I don't know if we're at the very end or we're close to the end or we're still in the middle. But I know this, that promise is still to us today. You have said to those that have gathered here on this resurrection morning that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our heart that you will pour out from heaven your spirit, your power, your life. So Father, though our sin be great and though our weakness and our sorrows be many, you have the ability and the desire to change our lives and fill our hearts and renew our hopes. 
So, Father, we lay our lives down at you. We believe that you can fill our hearts with your power like you filled Jesus' body with life, that you would give us new life, resurrection life. Lord, let us be prepared for a great revival in this season. Let us be going and telling our neighbor, telling our friends, telling our enemies that God is alive, Jesus is risen, and he's coming back for his church. Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus. All power is his. And thankfully, we are his too. We ask this in his amazing, powerful, and beautiful name. Amen.